Jesus paid everything he had for you. He didn't see the dirt. He didn't see the rocks. He didn't see all the junk, the thistles, the thorns that were grabbing up, growing up in there. He said, this field is worth it. And I'm going to pay everything I have for it. And it cost him everything. It cost him everything because he sees that you are worth it. This is my God. That is who my God is. Whew. Oh, I'll get my things. Um, right now, I'd like to, the, the crew staying in here because we love them so. And the children may be released. And again, I know I said this kind of earlier, but if, if you're new here, we just welcome you. And we would love to know more about you. And there's welcome packets out on the, the table right in front of the classrooms there. Not yet. Right in front of the classrooms. And we would love to get your information down and um, just get to know you if you want. You're not signing your life away by giving us your email and your phone. We're not going to send you junk mail and you're not going to be in a special list. We just seriously want to get to know you. And if you have any questions, then, you know, you can contact us. My name is Lisa Ellis, and I'm the pastor's wife. And <laughs> thank you. My, um, my husband, like I said earlier, is gone. He had to go pick up our son this morning, kind of last minute thing. It's a good thing, but long story. And I just want to say that my husband and I are a team. That we do things and we lead as a team in this church. And my husband and I say, we approve this worship. (laughs) We approve in celebrating our God. Because, see, we believe that because he laid down everything. He just got down and ugly at the cross. You know the cross was not a pretty thing at all that it cost him it was like the most extreme pain that a person could go to go through and he just got I mean they stripped his clothes everything he just got downright everything he didn't say you know this is really going to embarrass me ah can we leave something around the midsection you know he didn't say, man, can not everyone look? Like, if everyone does this, like, do I really have to do this in front of everybody? He gave himself in front of everybody. And so we here believe that if he does that for us, that I can give him everything that I am in front of everybody and not be ashamed. And it's a process, and I understand and respect the process, But it starts with your heart. It starts with your heart going, God, I don't know how to do this, but I know what I can give you. Here's my heart. And that's what it starts with. And I just want, just for your hearts to be open today. Even if this is a new thing that you're not used to, or, you know, you could come. We have all walks of life in here. I know we did this weekend. We had different denominations. We have different walks a lot. We had all kinds of different people. And I was like, will you just open your heart and just ask Jesus some real questions? Like, Jesus, what do you want from me? Is that a real question? 
what do you expect of me? Or maybe it's, Jesus, who are you? I mean, I know about this dying on the cross thing, but I don't get it. And if you're there, that's okay. But just admit it. Just say, Lord, show me. Show me what, what's the big deal? I think I'm going to get, Chuck, would you give me that podium? I'm not like a neat person in nature, and that's not like an ungodly thing always. I just need to spread out. I need space, and so I take two podiums. That is, thank you. <laughs> well, you think I'm too short? No, I'm just kidding. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Amen. Okay. That's right. Thank you very much. He does. Okay. All right. We sang a lot about freedom this morning. And our conference was about freedom. And so let me just open my Bible because this is, you know, just go with me. This is my Bible for this morning. Um, whoo, Galatians 5.1 is where we're going to start. And I better get there too, I guess, huh? All right, it says, it was for freedom that Christ, it was for freedom Christ has set us free. It says, stand firm and do not submit again to a, locus, a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom Christ set us free. And then another translation says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So it talks about freedom. And it also talks about a yoke of slavery. And so my question is, what is slavery? What does that look like? And today, we all have a million different reasons, but I want God's reasons because it's his mindset that we have to, and his heart that we have to connect to, right? So it was for freedom Christ set us free. That word, and when it says it was for freedom, Christ set us free, the first freedom there actually has nothing to do with salvation, That word freedom has to do with being able to say no or having to say yes to God. We always think that, oh, freedom, yes, I don't have to sin anymore. Yes, okay, I don't have to. I mean, we all knew that, know that we still do, but we think, oh, yeah, that's, that was because of sin and, and stuff like that. But no, 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 no. Freedom is so more, so more than that, much more than that. Actually, it's also the ability to say yes to God and yes to what God has for you. No things to things that aren't good, but also yes to things that God has for you. So um, I want to start in, um, go to Exodus 1, um, 6 through 11 there. Now, I'm going to be kind of referring a lot to Moses today. On and off. And so, just for time's sake, I don't have, I mean, I have the scriptures. I have a sheet I can copy and give you. Read Exodus. It's awesome. And I'm going to paraphrase because I do not want to be here till tomorrow. Okay? 
And so as we look at the new, at the Old Testament, we always have to view it through the lens, the lens of the cross. Because no longer are we living under the old covenant, which the old covenants in the Old Testament, okay, which we were bound to by the laws. And if you didn't obey the laws, and if you didn't obey the, the uh, prophet of God, then boom, you're in trouble. Like, no, 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 no. You obey. You have to do this. And there had to be a sacrifice that was made to atone sins. And there was all this stuff. But through the New Testament, and Jesus came, he died once and for all. He became law to set us free from that. So now we can know him and enter into a relationship with him. So now your heart is free to know him. And not only does he want you to know him, not even just like know about him. A lot of us know about God. Like, I could say some of us know God like we know Abraham Lincoln. You know, oh, I know Abraham Lincoln. Really? Okay. We know stories of God, but do you know him? Do you have a trusting relationship with him in your heart? That's my question. So between the time of Joseph and Moses, I'm just going to kind of touch on this a little bit. Um, When Joseph took his family out of the famine, and between the time when Moses came was 400 years. Say 400 years. It's so useful. When I first was looking through this, I'm like, Wow, it's a long time. Like, it's hard to really wrap my brain around what 400 years was. But let's put this in perspective. 400 years ago today, the date was 1615. Okay? In 1620, the pilgrims came and landed on Pilgrim, on Plymouth Rock. Is that a long time ago? Yes. Let me tell you something else really interesting. From the time of Joseph and Moses, nothing happened. One thing that happened, it said that the children of Israel grew in number and they grew in strength. There is not a book between Genesis and Exodus. Nothing happened. But we know what happened in Moses. We know, oh, slavery came. How did that happen? How did they grow in number and strength? But they entered into slavery? Does this sound kind of interesting to you? That God blessed them because he said he was going to bless them and he did. But was anyone seeking the voice of God? They knew about him, but they didn't know who they were. They didn't know that they were what their strength was. They weren't knowing who their God was. They knew about him, 
And so for this 400-year period, nothing happened. And actually, the first 200 years, they're in a nice, a nice era of peace and rest. I love peace and rest. I love it. I had a peaceful sleep last night. I needed that. I love, I have a chair I love in my house. My kids know, get out of my chair. Mom's home. I love you, but move. I love my peace and the comfort of my own home. I like to be comfortable. I like my air conditioning. You guys like air conditioning, especially this last week when it was almost like 90-something. I love heat. I was cold this morning. I had a nice warm house. Love that. Yay. I love that. And that's not a bad thing, okay? Just so we know, like, oh, no, Lisa, you're gonna, what are you going to tell us? No, that's okay. I like comfort. It was a great time, okay? But let me tell you something happened in these next 200 years. Little by little, a king arose, and a little by little, he started taking control over them. Little by little, and they entered into slavery, just to get another idea of how long that they may have been slaves, because it's a little fuzzy. The United States, we became an independent nation in 1776. Okay, so how many of you guys remember that? So you better not, you weren't there. Hello? No, I'm just teasing. Yes, you can remember it. Yes, you remember learning about that, right? 1776, a uh, long time ago, they did things a lot different back then. That was 239 years ago. So it's very safe to say that's an approximate time how long the children were in slavery. And it happened little by little by little. Let me just say to you, when you stay in one place for very long, what happens is you get comfortable. And you start liking things so much that we don't want to change. Let's just stay here and party forever because I like this. And we stay in one place. We get used to the environment around us. We actually adapt to the environment around us. We adapt to the culture around us. And we get settled in our heart and we stop seeking after God. Not that we stop knowing God necessarily. We still know God. We can still pray. We can still read the Bible. But there's a comfort that sets in. It says, he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. And I have that scripture. I have it here somewhere. You guys love me. You can ask me for it later. And at this time, there just wasn't a lot of hungering and thirsting. They weren't crying out to God. God wasn't talking to them. Nothing was happening. And sometimes I think that we, that, that's kind of how we are. We like, so we have one move of God here, Joseph, one move of God here. And sometimes we're just waiting for the next move of God to happen. And in between, we do nothing. We go, can go from Sunday to Sunday. And what happens in between? Whatever I want. You know? I mean, that, hey, that's my time. Jesus, I gave you church. There you go. There's my hour or two off my checklist. Now I'll be a good person and do what I think's right. You know, I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying as a culture in America, this is normally how we are. 
So there's this place of comfort. But what happens is comfort takes over and we start doing things on ourselves. We start doing things in our own effort. Problems come. And what do we do? Oh, I can't share this with anybody. I can't tell anybody this. I can handle this myself. Anybody else good at that? Yes. (laughs) Because we're not going to (laughs) lie. Go to hell. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. (laughs) We um, start doing things that make us feel good. Not bad. You know, and I'm not going to point anything out. It's, my, it's not my place to point things out, but I, I do like eating. Sorry. Gluten f- foods. <laughs> I like processed sugar. <laughs> if someone gave me a donut, I would eat it. <laughs> I, there's a certain comfort in our land and a freedom which I so appreciate. So appreciate the men and women who fought for our freedom. But sometimes we stay there and we get comfortable and we don't move on and hear what God wants us to do next. Or we expect someone else. We want to hear so-and-so. You tell me what God's saying and I'll do it because we're too chicken to have a relationship with them ourselves. I'm going to go to the preacher in church and he'll tell me how to act and behave. Do this. Oh, don't do this. Do this. Okay. And then I'm good with God. But you haven't seen that. You haven't read the Bible for yourself, maybe. Maybe you have. Maybe you forgot. Who knows? Life happens. Young people, if you don't know yet, life happens. Don't let it happen like that to you. Pursue the Lord. Pursue him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength, like it says in Matthew. It's the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. But the thing is, sometimes we really don't like ourselves very much. So we get into this position where we handle our problems ourselves. We can handle it. And then something else comes up. We can handle it. And then after our like 10 things, maybe we think, okay, we can't handle it anymore. So I'm going to go and I'm going to go cry. And I'm going to just use Misty because I love her. And so I'm going to cry, Misty, you don't understand how bad my life is. <gasps> I'm not mimicking or making fun of anyone. This is just how we are, because I've been there, okay? I'm bad. It's horrible. You don't understand. You're right. (laughs) And we'll go to this person. Well, you didn't hear Holly. Maybe you can hear me. You don't understand how bad I have it. You could never imagine my problems. They're too bad for you to understand. Notice I'm not taking it to the Lord, but I will take it to everybody else first. Like I said, I'm not accusing. I'm just saying this is kind of the culture of our church here. Not here, but like big C, you know. I mean, it could be. I'm not going to say no one's hearts are like that, but you know, you know. It's time to turn to the Lord again. (laughs) It's time to give him our hearts back. It's time to really get serious and say, whoa. You know, and a lot of times we get bored in life. How many of you guys have kids or teenage, you know, teenagers? Love you, teenagers. How many of you guys, okay, most of us probably do. What happens when your children get bored? Huh? Yell it out. 
They get in trouble. Yeah, you have fun? Let's talk about fun later. Love you. We have fun. We get bored. They find something to do. I think that's what happened with the children of Israel. They get bored. They got bored. And so they kind of created their own agenda, their own thing to do. Because remember, they did not know the Lord at this time. They know about him. They did not know him. And as we go, as you read in Moses, you'll see that. But they sure knew about him. You know, our problems turn into hopelessness. <laughs> and it gets deeper and deeper. We still know God, but we start being hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Matthew 5, 6. And then we fill our own spiritual hunger with other things, like with other good works. So if I feel like, man, I just don't feel like I'm connected with God. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get involved in this really good program so I can feel good about myself. Because God's looking at my works. Oh, I know. um, I know what I'm going to do. So-and-so needs some help. I'm just going to get some money and send it to her so she can buy something. I mean, Lord forbid, he doesn't want me to get in her mess. Because that would be hard. So we, we satisfy our spiritual hunger with other things. Or we see how much TV we can, TV we can watch. We'll do a TV-a-thon. I heard someone say, Netflix. <laughs> Lisa, do you watch TV? Yep. I like House Hunters. I like, you know, food, the Food Network, Cutthroat Kitchen. I mean, I, I, yeah, I do. But is that where I hunger and thirst? Absolutely not. We can go to movies. I've seen every movie in the theater. Awesome. Where's Jesus? Do you know him? That's what I care if, you're, if you know and love Jesus and you're like, oh man, awesome, rock on, dude. But if you're just filling this empty space with relationships, with entertainment, with unhealthy things, you fill in the blank, then we're out of order. Something's wrong. We're not seeking God anymore. We just know about him. And he didn't call us. He didn't do this cross so we could know about him. He did this cross so he could pull us close to his heart and we could know him. With my husband, if I were to stand here and say, oh, I know my husband. He's such a good man. Well, Lisa, when's the last time you talked to him? Oh, 20 years ago, but I know him. Lisa, when is the last time you and your husband had a really good conversation? Oh, last month, but I know he still loves me. You'd be like, this is one whack marriage. (laughs) And if you don't think that, you should. (laughs) I love it in, um, I'm just going to kind of throw this out here. Um, When Moses... Ah, was minding his own business. He was herding sheep, walking along, and he saw a bush on fire. 
Now, and then he noticed that the bush was not burning. So then he turned aside and said, oh, I wonder why this bush isn't being burned. Like, like if the bush on fire isn't enough to get your attention. I mean, like, oh, a burning bush, whatever, you know. It's like he noticed it wasn't being consumed. And when Moses turned, like, he said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go check this bush out. What's going on here? So he turns in to looks at it and he hears a voice saying, Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Let me tell you, Moses did not know who the Lord was. When he said, what is this? Moses. Actually, he said, Moses. And he goes, here I am. I mean, I don't like, here I am. He, he, he presented himself. Like a burning bush wouldn't like freak me out, you know? And he says, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. Oh, you know, okay. God didn't rebuke him because he didn't know him. He was calling him. He heard his voice. He was in his everyday life. He heard his voice and he went to him. Right where you're at, whatever you do in your everyday life, listen for what he's calling you. Recognize the voice of the Lord. Now you can say, Lisa, this is really scary. Like voices, this is like really scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moses was terrified. So basically, just kind of an overview of the story. Oh, and something else I just want to reach. This is really interesting too, before I go on to this point. It's really interesting. Did you know the children of Israel did not cry out to God until after Moses was married and had his first son? They did not cry out. Nowhere. They did not cry out. And then you read after Moses was married and had his first son. Okay. Just, just a thought. Okay. So God basically talks to him. I'm paraphrasing this. And he says, okay, I have called you to lead my, my, I've heard the cries of my people and I'm calling you to lead them out of Egypt. Just so you know. Moses did not grow up with his people. I'm, I think he kind of heard some stories at this point. So he kind of knew the stories. And Moses like, okay. And he goes, well, let me, God said, okay, let me tell you, Moses, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to say, set my people free. And he's going to say no. So don't worry. Pharaoh's going to say no. Um, Cause I'm going to harden his heart, but don't worry because I know I'm going to do a whole bunch of miracles and then he's going to let you go. Now, how many of you have read the story of Moses? Is that how it went? Yes. Is that what it looked like? It's like he told him, like, this is what the end's going to be, Moses. Like in our lives, sometimes we know what the end's going to be, but we don't understand the process. We just think, oh, Good. I'm going to walk in freedom now and everything's going to be wonderful. Yay. Yay, God. So he said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be my spokesman, Moses. And then he was telling all this stuff. And all finally, and, and, and God even gave him three signs to use. 
in case people didn't believe. He's scared to go back to the, to the Israelites because they're like, they don't know who I am. And God coached him through that and gave him three signs and all this stuff happened. And, he, and so God's like, yeah, you know, like, okay, go Moses. You're my spokesman. And, and Moses is like, okay, now wait, wait. Let me tell you something about me that you don't know. I never have been. I am not now, nor will I ever be a good person to speak. I do. I can't speak, God. I never have been. I'm not now, nor will I ever be gifted in speaking. And God says, trust me. You got this. Don't worry about what you're going to say. I will tell you. Moses said, nah, it ain't happening. Is there anybody else? I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Do you think he was afraid? Whew. Yeah, he was afraid. So then God got a little upset with him, got frustrated. And he said, fine, I'm going to use Aaron, your brother Aaron. Now he didn't totally discount Moses. But he still used Moses. But God's intention was for him to use, God's intention was to totally use Moses. And Moses traded that in for fear. And that's what happens. Not that the fear was bad, but he allowed it to take hold and root in his heart. Now I want to talk about fear. Where's my Joseph? Come on. I want to talk about fear. Because there's, there's something that the Lord really wants to bring out. So God uses us. This is kind of just an overview. God wants to use us where we're at. I know it, see? Look at this is Joseph, my son from California. He's 20 now. He's not a teenager anymore. I love him. He wanted to do this. Thank you. Love you, Joseph. You're awesome. So he, he speaks with us all in different language. Like I know that God knows the lingo of our hearts, you know? So if we, if we have certain verbiage, is that a word? Verbiage? Okay. That we use. God knows that. It's not like he's like, I only speak King James. So change that. He speaks our language. <clears throat> he knows where we're at and he speaks to us by the things which were around us. He uses that everyday stuff, just like Moses. And so, um, I like horses. If any of you know, you know that now, surprise. Love horses. And, um, I lo- really like to train horses. Well, mine in particular. I'm not a professional. Don't bring me your horse. Okay. Um, and a few things I have learned about training horses is one of the methods used is called desensitizing. Okay. Now, horses by nature are a prey animal, which means they are afraid of everything that can and will eat them. So imagine an 1,200 animal that's scared of something that's going to eat them. Now, horses also react. They don't always think. Their first, their, their animal nature is just to react. Now, we can see that in people too, can't we? Even in us, we can say, you know, when I get scared, I react. Sometimes people are like, man, Lisa, why did this lady bite my head off? Well, she's scared. Not literally, Mia, okay? Just like figuratively speaking, yeah. 
You know, why is someone acting like this? There's a lot of fear there. Why am I acting like that? I'm afraid. Okay, so with horses. Oh, first, I need, I need here. Dale, is this just like rope? Is this, there anything scary or sharp on there at all? Nothing at all. Okay. It's just, it's just rope. That's all it is. Okay. So in desensitizing horses, we're training them to think and not react. We're training them that this really isn't that scary. It's just a rope. Okay. And so what you do, and please don't do this at home. I don't want you to get hurt because there's more to it than this. This is an overview. Okay. So no. Okay. I just, I am released from all liability at this point. Okay. So in training a horse, basically, we're just doing something like this. I'm just going to throw this around their back nice and gently. And the horse freaks out and runs away because it's like, it's going to bite me. I know it is. No, it's not. So we do that. We go behind the butt. Oh, the hind quarters. Excuse me. <laughs> we do the back legs. Okay, you're good. We're going to do the front legs. You're good. Now, whatever you do on one side, you have to do the other side because they, they use both parts of the brain. So, got to do this side. And we're training them. This is just a rope. Nothing to be afraid of. I'm not going to beat you. It looks scary. I know you don't know what's slapping you on the other side when I'm standing here, but please don't run over me. Here we go. And then after they get used to that, we're going to do something a little scarier. So like anything that's scary to a horse, I'll do it. Because I have to train them not to be afraid. Okay, I'm going to go over here. Charlie, I'm sorry if I hit you. You can hit me back later, okay? Okay. So then I normally would be in front of the horse, just so you know, but I don't want to hurt Anna. Okay. Do something like that. Just nice and easy, but it sounds scary. And that's that whooshing sound that really freaks them out. And they're like, ah! So that's good. So it's like, okay, they're not scared of that anymore. Then I'm going to take a paper bag. Desiree, will you come here real quick? Here, hold this right here. Is this a paper bag? Yes. Is this a paper bag? Yes. Thank you. Hold this. For Shannon. Okay. Is this a paper bag? Sometimes I put glasses or anything that sounds scary in here because my whole intention is to teach them. This is just a paper bag. This really is nothing in here that's going to eat you. I'm teaching them, you can trust me. I'm really not going to hurt you. Even though everything in their whole body that they're feeling is telling them, it's going to bite me. You're going to hurt me. Everything in their whole being is saying, this is dangerous. But I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking them through the process. Thank you, hon. I'm taking them through the fear. So then we start with a paper bag. We do the same thing. Whatever is going to make them freak out, I'm going to do until they realize and they think, oh, that's just a paper bag. Now, we're a lot like this, aren't we? I'm scared. I don't want to. God, I don't want to hear your voice. You're going to call me to something scary. I don't want to know you. I just want to obey somebody else. I'm so afraid, God. I'm so hurt, God. I don't want to get real. He trains us through our fear. 
I'm almost done. I'm going to wrap this up. After Moses started working with the, with the children of Israel and miracles were happening and, and signs and wonders, and you'd think the children of Israel are like, oh, this is so awesome. Look what God's doing. Well, actually what happened is Pharaoh put more work on them. Like he increased their load very hard. And he, and they started getting resentful of Moses and they said, I, why did you ever come here? I wish life was so much better without you. Why were you even here? They didn't, they resented. They just did not like the fact. And every time another sign and wonder came, boom, the workload got increased and it got harder and harder and harder. They could not see the miracles in the midst of their madness. And I think that's something that happens with us. We're in such, life happens. We have hard situations that we work through, but can you see the miracles in the midst of those? Or are you too scared of the madness that's going on around you? This is why we need a trusting relationship with our God. He wants to call you. He has new giftings for you. He has new place, places. A lot of you guys, I mean, I respect there's so many of you in this house I so respect because your relationship with the Lord. But what am I saying? It's time to go up to the next land. It's time to go after your next territory. And after we start moving into that territory, work gets harder. We're like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And we get scared. After the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and they were going on to their new land, they got hungry and they started going, I liked it better when I was in slavery. See, they got yanked out of slavery. They got yanked out of that position. And some of us, that is, we go into new seasons of our lives and it feels like we're being yanked out and we think, you know, what would it be like if I didn't have to do this anymore? You know, I wonder if they even had a thought like, no slavery? What are we going to do? Like, I bet they had their own impression or, you know, there were, there were real people like us. So, you know, wow, what was that going to be like? And they had to submit and follow a trust in God and come to know him. And God was patient and he worked through them. But sometimes what happens when we get through that area and we're like, yes, I'm free now. And life gets tough and we're like, no slavery I liked it better in my chair eating my chocolates and my popcorn and watching my TV that's where I feel safe that's where I'm staying instead of stepping out God's calling you each and every one of you he wants a relationship with you he wants to know you in a deeper way it's time to come out it's time to go to that next level it's time to get to that new land, and it is going to be scary. But it's okay. Guess who's with you? You're not alone. Some of you may not know this trusting Jesus, like, I don't know what to do. That's okay. I want to ask my prayer team, my prayer ladies that I had for me this weekend, because, man, were they ministering in freedom. Can you kind of, I know you all can't fit up here, but just like some in the back and some in the front. I need my, my women warriors to stand up and go to your, your partners and take your place. I'm telling you what, and I'm just saying this is a safe place. This is a safe place to say, I am ready. I am ready to get out of my everyday life. I am ready to get out of my everyday comfort. I am ready. What God, what do I dare you to ask? God, what do you have for me next? I am done in this season. 
I am done being comfortable. Can we have the worship team? Or music? What would you prefer? Worships, music's great. Okay, music. (laughs) Jesus is calling you. And I would like everyone to stand. Because sometimes when we stand, we stop being comfortable and we think. That's me, so I'm just saying. If you, and you don't have, if you have health problems, I understand, but I'm just saying, stand. I want you just to close your eyes and let's just have a time of realness with God. God, what am I comfortable in? Am I comfortable in just knowing you? Am I comfortable in just flowing in the things that are my strengths? Because see, Moses had to learn how to flow in something that he was totally unfamiliar with, that was totally his weakest point. And it says, in my weakness, his strength is complete. It doesn't say in my strength, his strength is made complete. It's in my weakness. So I'm going to say, will you allow God to use you in your weakness? And if you don't know God, if you just heard about him maybe, or maybe you did know him, but now you just kind of know about him. You know what I mean? Like, well, I was really good, but now I, I don't know what he did. I don't know what he's doing. I'm going to invite you to come. Come get prayer. There's some teams back here. There's some teams over here. I think there's some teams way in the back there. And I'm going to ask you, don't, don't sell short. You were worth the whole price he paid. He wants all of you. He doesn't want part of you. He wants everything. He wants your pain. He wants your suffering. He wants you to trust him with the fear. Amen? So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I just release people, even from the fear of getting prayer. I release people from fear, Lord God, of what's happening tomorrow. Uh, what, what, what does a deeper relationship look like? I just release hearts right now in Jesus name. And I just speak freedom, freedom, freedom in Jesus name, freedom. That's who I am. That's what you paid for. And it's paid in full. And I have the freedom to say yes to God. And I do in Jesus name. Amen. If you would like prayer, please come. Don't leave here. Don't be robbed of something that Jesus paid for that he wants you to have. Go get prayer. Stay in here and don't give up. If you want to have a conversation, I understand. I love you. Go in the hallway and do that. But let's make this a temple. Let's make this right now a place where we're going to consecrate our hearts. And we're going to sit here and say, Lord, ask him some real questions. We're going to ask him some real questions, and let's get real, real with God. Amen? Amen.